Hey, sisters, before we get started today, Kate and I just wanted to remind you that registration for the first ever online Kindred Homeschool Conference ends this Wednesday night at 11.59 p.m. Kate and I will both be speaking at this conference along with our friends Mary Wilson and Alicia Hutchinson. So to register, head over to kindredhomeschool.com right now. Okay, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to the Homeschool Sisters podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm Kara, and we're two homeschooling moms doing this homeschooling thing right beside you. We don't have it all figured out, but one thing we know for sure is that homeschooling is a lot easier when you have a sister by your side. Hey, Kate. Hey, Kara. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am blown away by Anne, who we're going to talk to in a couple minutes. too. Yeah, she is such a good conversation. Yeah, and she has so many good resources. And whether your kids are old or young or in between, I think she's just really gonna like help you feel good about either getting started with language learning or continuing what you're doing or like whatever. But she's just she is a ray of sunshine. And your wheels will be turning like mine are right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So many ideas. Uh, before we get started with Anne, we wanted to read a quick uh, review that we got on iTunes. It's really nice. This review is from also known as Mama, and she says, the very best homeschooling podcast. I feel like Kate and Kara have become my best friends, holding my hand as I enter the scary world of homeschooling. They have inspired me as I've been listened to every single episode. They gave me a sneak peek inside the world of normal homeschoolers, something I didn't know existed before. I now look forward to each weekly episode more than I do the latest episode of The Handmaid's Tale, and that says a lot. And it sure does, because I watched that. Yeah, that's some high praise <laughs> right there. Your, <laughs> hard to turn your eyes away, <laughs> but, even though you also kind of don't want to look at all. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> but but are, are we normal? We're totally not normal. <laughs> <laughs> we joke not all the time about how weird we are, but I'll take it. It's nice. <laughs> We're quirky. Yes. Yeah, a little bit. We appreciate <laughs> that, though. A little quirk. Um, all the great reviews lately have helped us get in the what's hot portion of iTunes. <laughs> I have no idea what that means, except that it's easier for people to find us. So that's good. Yes. So there will be more sisters coming in, which is we would love to just grow the community. Absolutely. So if you have a chance to head over to iTunes and leave a review... That would be great. We have a way to do that now available on our, our site, thehomeschoolsisters.com. So we can add that link to the show notes? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We can Perfect. do that. We wrote, a, we wrote a post on how to do it because the land of iTunes reviews can be a little, you can get lost in there. <laughs> yeah. We get lost even trying to find a review, let alone we, one. We got so. lost right now trying to find this review. Yeah. But it's great. And we super appreciate it. And it really, really does help. It's like the number one thing you can do to help mm-hmm. us out. So thank you, sisters. Thank you, sisters. And Anne, Anne Guinera from Language Learning at Home. She is, okay, brilliant. <laughs> oh, super smart. <laughs> yes. And uh, she has a PhD in Spanish. She also knows Portuguese and French. Um, she is currently homeschooling bilingually her two boys at home. And she is just like, she's got this whole language learning at home is all about helping homeschoolers learn languages. So she's coming at it from this perspective of helping like homeschool parents. And she helps us sort through all the resources and has tons of recommendations. And it's just, you don't need to write all this down as you're listening. It's going to be over at the show notes at the homeschoolsisters.com, but it's really, really good. And we've already decided we want to have her back. So if you have questions, please leave them in the comments of uh, the show notes. Yes, because we just, there was so much and we wanted to talk to her all day, um, but we know people are going to have specific questions. So definitely leave those in the comments and okay, we'll have a quick word from one of our wonderful sponsors and then we'll be back with our chat with Anne. This episode is sponsored by KiwiCo. 
KiwiCo creates super cool hands-on projects for kids that make learning about STEAM fun. With a KiwiCo subscription, each month the kid in your life will receive a fun, engaging new project which will help develop their creativity and confidence. These projects are designed to spark creativity, tinkering, and learning. KiwiCo has seven lines underneath its umbrella for kids of all ages. There's Tadpole Crate for ages 0 to 2, Koala Crate for ages 3 to 4, Kiwi Crate for 5 to 8, Atlas Crate for ages 6 to 11, Doodle Crate for ages 9 to 16 plus, Tinker Crate for ages 9 to 16 plus, and Eureka Crate for ages 14 to 104. Oh, I love that. We got a Eureka Crate this time. Did you? Yes. Oh, I'm dying to try one. It is. Are you ready? I'm ready. An electric pencil sharpener. Oh my gosh. (laughs) The answer to every homeschool mom's dreams and wish list. And here's the best part. It even comes with four pencils. Because there's never enough pencils. Where do they go? It's literally everything you need to make this. I have been sort of keeping this tucked away until we had a chance to talk about it because I didn't want to like lose anything. Um, the little pencils even say Eureka Crate on them. It's so cool. And oh, I'm going adorable. to put this out on the table to surprise my son in a few minutes. And I think he's going to lose his mind. That is amazing. We got two Tinker Crates. Um, the first one was really fun because we got to play with marshmallows. It was a vacuum chamber. And, um, my son had a blast. I actually had it on my Instagram stories last week, putting all sorts of things in the vacuum chamber and watching them expand and contract. And he, that kid also had, um, resources for him to make a barometer, which he now has in his bedroom. And it's been kind of a stormy couple weeks. So it's been fun watching that. And then my daughter got a tinker crate that has spin art in it. And spin art is always a hit. Oh, how fun. Yeah, we got an Atlas crate, which we haven't gotten one of these before. And so it was really, really fun. And we got to explore Peru and the cutest little project. You make a little alpaca. Oh, I and love alpacas. <laughs> it's so adorable. And then you have um, like a mini blanket and hat that you make out of yarn and the toad game. And it's it's just a really neat way to like get hands-on and learn about another country and explore and just super, super fun. Kiwi Co. is making it possible for our listeners to be able to get um, their first month free of any of their many subscriptions. So they just go to kiwico.com slash homeschool sisters and their first box will be free. They'll only pay $4.95 shipping in the U.S. That's such a good deal. That's a really great deal. You can try it out at kiwico.com slash homeschool sisters. Hi, Anne. Hi, Anne. Hi, sisters. So nice to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much for being here. We have gotten a ton of questions about learning foreign languages and how to incorporate that into your homeschool. And we just knew exactly who to call. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) we're glad that, that you wanted to do this, that you were up for this. Thank you. Yes, I'm, I'm so flattered and happy to have the chance to talk to you and hopefully um, give some helpful advice on those questions. Definitely. Okay, so before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about you and your family and what you do? Sure. Well, my name is Anne Guanera. I am married to my high school sweetheart. We've been married for 12 years, and we have two little boys. They are five and two, and we actually have one on the way coming in the summer. Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations. Oh, that's fun. Thank you. Um, So I, prior to having my kids, actually, when they were younger, I finished my PhD in Spanish at UVA, the University of Virginia. And my husband and I now reside right outside DC. I am homeschooling my boys bilingually. And we are also just, I'm enjoying writing for the blog Language Learning at Home, which I started to help homeschooling families find resources and encouragement for learning foreign languages at home. So you've gotten to kind of combine two two of your passions, homeschooling and helping other homeschoolers and then helping them learn about foreign languages. So it's like all the things in one place. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful fit, and it's something I have found really fulfilling, just getting to know other families who are interested in language learning and looking for resources to help them, as well as advice. So I, I started it about a year and a half ago, and it has been really cool to see it grow and expand. How did your love of languages get started? Uh, well, I had a pretty romantic uh, view of languages in high school, thanks to the fact that, so my husband and I, as you know, high school sweethearts, we were planning on going to college and both majoring in French together so that we could study abroad in Paris for a year. That was That's the an awesome yeah. plan. <laughs> it, was plan. it was a really good plan. And that was the master plan until my first day of college where I took the entrance, the proficiency exam, excuse me, the proficiency exam for French. And I scored so low that they put me in elementary French. And that was because I realized that even though I'd had a pretty good French education in high school, I actually could not speak the language very well. So my college was, was more rigorous and they, they put me back. They said, you're going to have to start at the beginning. So I said, no, forget that. That is not worth my time. I'm going to study Spanish instead. So I, basically I took a Spanish class and taught myself Spanish in about a year and a half. I studied abroad in Madrid and then I graduated as a Spanish major, um, in three years. So it worked out, <laughs> but, um, I was able to take a lot of the lessons that I had learned as kind of a failed French learner and apply them to learning Spanish so that I knew how to do it better. And that really helped me. And I just loved, I loved the culture. I loved reading Latin American literature and I thought speaking the language itself was so fun. Being able to operate in a totally different way of thinking was just enormously enjoyable. So that's, it, was, it started off not as you might expect, not that I was a great language learner from the beginning, but I learned how to be a good language learner along the way. I love that story. So did you ever make it to Paris? Uh, we did. We made, I made it to Paris twice now. So, and it, it was as amazing as you can imagine. So I would love to go back. Um, both times I was in Paris, you know, I was like dirt poor eating tuna fish out of the can and like very carefully rationing apples. So I'd love to go back with some money to like eat out. <laughs> you know, what's so you funny is full experience. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you said that, all I thought about was the food. Like that's where you go with, you know, know. with Paris. That's like the first thing. So, oh, well, yeah, hopefully you can, you can go back soon. Um, so can you just give us a little bit of background about some of the benefits of learning a different language, kind of the why, um, you know, why homeschool parents should maybe consider that with their kids? Absolutely. I think that each family ultimately has to find the reasons that are most compelling to them, but I'll mention three that I think are particularly powerful. The first is that language learning has a ton of cognitive and academic benefits, not just in the discipline of language learning itself, but that also extend to other things. So we know from research that language learners can transfer their communication skills from one language to another. So they actually improve their writing skills, for example, in their native language as they learn to communicate in a second language. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. We also know that kids become more intellectually flexible and better problem solvers because they learn to see situations from different perspectives, given their access to different vocabularies and different grammars and all the systems that that constructs in the brain. And then finally, there's actually some new research that suggests that multilingual kids are actually more efficient at solving math problems and can do math more creatively because they have different ways of thinking around a problem. Um, that's not proven quite yet. We don't have decades of research on it, but there is, a, there is compelling research to suggest that, that language learning extends even into math. So I find that fascinating. And probably, and not that crazy, thinking about math is kind of its own language system, mm -hmm. right? So if you have facility in other languages, then you can also uh, approach math differently than someone who just speaks one language. So cognitive and academic benefits are one. I think another one is that it's important to expose kids to other ways of thinking and being in the world. This is something that's really important to our family. We want our children to see that the way that we live is not necessarily the way that other people live. And we want them to be able to ask good, good, curious, and meaningful questions 
about what other people believe and what they do and why they, you know, how they experience the world. So having access to another language and particularly getting to know other cultures better through that language is something that can do that. And then finally, there's kind of the very obvious example of opening up travel and professional opportunities for kids. You know, um, people like to say, well, why should, why should my kid learn a language? I mean, everyone's learning English. It's going to be the universal language. But the truth is that 75% of the world still does not speak English. So if your child learns another language, that just opens up so many opportunities to go to new places and see new things and that kind of transformative learning that can happen in those places that don't, doesn't necessarily happen on a day-to-day basis. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I love that part about math. It makes so much sense. There's a, there's a lot there. Um, that's really good. It's really, really good. Okay. So I wanted to ask you when you're thinking about starting a language at home, is it better to start younger and what sort of resources would you recommend for younger children? So I think it's generally a myth that young kids are language sponges and will learn better than older kids. Young kids do have some advantages. There's research that shows that if you start a language prior to puberty, so around age 12 or so, that children are more likely to attain a native-like pronunciation in that language. But there's actually no research that shows that starting younger with children gives them a significant head up on grammar or vocabulary acquisition. So that should be reassuring to you, Kara. And you know, I'm, I was an adult, I was an adult language learner. All the languages I speak, I learned after high school. And so, um, I, I can say that not just from research, but also from personal experience that it is more than possible to become capable in a foreign language without having started at three. That said, I do encourage parents to start early because there's one major advantage you have. It is that kids are not as embarrassed and self-conscious when they are younger. It can be really hard for teenagers to start a new language um, because they don't want to make mistakes. They don't want to struggle with pronunciation. They don't want to be told that their syntax is wrong. Um, You know, they're going through so much. (laughs) I really have a lot of sympathy for teenagers. (laughs) They are really going through so much. And the the initial difficulties of language learning, like the initial hurdles, can sometimes be too much for them, I think. So I encourage parents to start early, but also know that young kids learn best through face-to-face interactions with the language. So to the extent that you can do real-life activities in the target language with your kids, that's great. And that's not, you know, an hour lesson a day. That's, I mean, definitely don't sit your four-year-old down and try to do a grammar lesson with them. It will not work. Um, But you can sing nursery rhymes in the target language, or you can read simple picture books, things you already love, like Eric Carle, Goodnight Moon, all those classics, you can read them in the language that you're studying. Or if you don't feel comfortable with that, you don't speak the language, you can get those on audiobook. And, you know, make real life connections, show them that other people speak the language. If you know someone who does, invite them over to have a quick chat. It can just be something like, hello, my name is, or take them to a grocery store that specializes in you know, products from the country that you are interested in and learn the names of food in that language, do a scavenger hunt in the grocery store. All these things to show them that English is not the only language spoken in the world and that it's possible to learn others and that by learning others, you actually get to expand your your friend group. Um, so I think that's key for for young kids, especially here where it's not it's not like we live in Europe where you just hop on a train and you go to a country where they speak another language, Right. Like it is it, hard to find that kind of real life motivation to learn because you you may not know anyone who speaks another language. So to the extent that you can make it real to them or even, you know, watching documentaries about other places, that is a great way to kind of bring in that, that it'll pique their curiosity, bring in that enchantment and, and interest in it. Oh, I love that. And you're right. I was, I, I'm a little nervous because we did Spanish when my kids were younger because that was what I learned. And I 
have retained some of it, not a, not as much as I wish I had, um, because I just stopped using it, you know, on a regular basis. But now that my son is in high school this year, we're working on, you know, having him start a language um, of his choosing on his own. And I, I'm really glad that you said that about, you know, it just being hard because they are, they're more self-conscious and everything. And yeah, teenagers have a lot going on, but, um, at least now I know we're not like way behind, you know, the game or that it wasn't a terrible mistake to not start. And hopefully other parents of older kids will, will hear that and what you said too. Absolutely. And I mean, and just, just to you, Kara, and to the other parents, um, I mean, I, I can tell you three things that I would find very encouraging as parents of older language learners. One, there is research that older kids learn languages more efficiently because they have a good foundation in their native language and can use that to make comparisons between the language that they know and the language that they're learning. And once they make those connections, things fall into place more quickly. So, you know, think about, I have a toddler right now, right? My two-year-old, you know, I have to say the word ball to him how many times before he can produce the word ball? But I say a word to my older child and he picks it up much more quickly. So you have that benefit as as an older language learner. And you also have the benefit of being able to talk to your kids about what languages really interest them. So motivation is there or can be there. And motivation is such a key part of language learning. So I do encourage parents to actually place a high priority on that. If you have a kid who loves anime, okay, go for Japanese. You can find resources to make it happen. If you have a daughter who wants to study abroad in Argentina, that's like her dream. Okay, go with Spanish, but run with their passions because that's, they need to see what the purpose of language learning is. And they need to claim that for themselves in order to be successful. And I think the third thing I would say is just, um, that comes to mind is one thing I did a lot with my undergraduate students at the University of Virginia. And one thing I do a lot on the blog is that I talk to families about the process of language learning. And if you have an older child at home, you can also talk to your kid on that like metacognitive level. So what does it mean? Like, why do we need to practice a language? How much should we be practicing a language? What does it mean when you make a mistake? Like, what is the brain actually doing when you're making mistakes in a new language? And because you can have that kind of high-level conversation with them, it can help soften, soften, especially those initial stages where, you know, your kid is asking himself, like, okay, am I going to have to, like, be drilling myself on this vocabulary endlessly? He'll know, he or she will know the purpose for that, and it makes it, it, makes it easier. So um, there are... There are advantages to both younger and older kids, but definitely if you're a parent of older children, like do not despair. It can totally happen for your kid. (laughs) Woo, good. Okay, good. (laughs) I was going to circle back to the books because you had mentioned Eric Carl, reading Eric Carl in a different language. Do you have any other books that you would recommend? So I actually have a resource library full of books with recommendations in Spanish and also French on my website, which is languagelearningathome.com. And I have those books ranked by both age and proficiency level. That's, I think, the hard thing to find. For example, if you go on Amazon, you can look for books that are for your five to eight-year-old. But if your five to eight-year-old isn't a native speaker, those books are likely going to be inaccessible. So, um, I recommend looking there, uh, but many of the classics. So again, Eric Carl, Goodnight Moon. Oh, I'm trying to think what else <laughs> I've been reading to my toddler because I've been reading him many. Oh, actually, a lot of Sandra Boynton books are pretty well translated. Oh, fun. Okay, yeah. awesome. My kids would love that. <laughs> yeah. The humor comes across in, in both languages. <laughs> um, so, you know, look for those. And if you have... If you have kids who will humor you, you know, shoot low. If you have if you have a nine-year-old who's just starting to learn Spanish, for example, of course you would not read them board books normally. But board books in Spanish would likely be comprehensible to him or her. And you, of course, can make it a whole discussion of what do you see in this picture? You can work on vocabulary. What colors do you see? You know, you can work on that. Just like you would do with a toddler, you can kind of do the same process in the target language with board books and use that to get them feel like they, oh, they can actually read in this other language. It's at a low level, but they can do it. And then you work your way up. 
Oh, that's that. perfect. And we'll make sure we link to that over at the show notes at thehomeschoolsisters.com so it's easy for everyone to find your resource library. Thanks. Okay, so there are a lot of ways to learn languages. There's online programs, there's books, there's flashcards, there's apps, there's even tutoring or classes. Can you help us kind of talk through those a little bit? Sure. Um, There are a lot of options um, for homeschoolers, which I think is a great advantage, to be honest, of homeschooling. Um, There are things that are so much more effective than sitting in a classroom with 25 other kids, maybe getting a chance to speak one sentence the entire class, and then, you know, not being able to have your questions answered if you don't understand something in the textbook. So I think this is something that's wonderful for homeschoolers, but you are totally right in that it is hard to sort through them all. So I would say that technology in general has opened up great opportunities for homeschoolers to learn languages. And they are not necessarily less effective than standard textbook workbook approaches. Not, you know, and so you kind of have to figure out like what resources are we talking about? Not all online resources are the same. You know, not all computer resources are the same. I'll say that too. Um, And then, and not all of those resources will work for every family. So if you have young children, I, you know, young children, the research shows don't learn languages particularly well from screens. So if you have preschoolers, you can certainly use them to supplement your language learning. Like I, we watch Netflix in Spanish. Um, my kids, you know, have seen apps in Spanish. And I think those are all great, but they're part of a larger wraparound approach where they're doing more interaction with human beings who actually speak Spanish. That's key for kids because if you can just think about your toddler learning English, for example, you you need to point out objects and label them before your child understands what that is. You know, they need a lot of kind of physical support and environmental support to pick up a language. So I wouldn't you know, necessarily jump to online resources with kids. I would try to do like a more traditional in-person approach and then use all those amazing resources to support what you're doing. Uh, With older kids, you, a lot of, a lot more options open up. So if you have middle schoolers and above, I think online classes and online tutoring can be amazing and they can actually be more effective than like a traditional classroom setting because the, the kind of disconnect of being on a screen works to the advantage of middle schoolers and high schoolers because they're less conscious, they're less nervous about how they appear to other students and the teacher. Right. So that's a kind of an, that's an interesting psychological phenomenon. Um, but, it, but it's true. And also those classes tend to be smaller than traditional classes. And so they offer more practice. Now I would say you want to look for when you're looking for online classes or online tutoring, you want to look for a class that's built around a structured curriculum. So it shouldn't be something that you're kind of winging like week to week. Oh, this is what we're going to study because language curriculum needs to be more intentional to make sure that kids are practicing all four communication skills that they need, reading, writing, listening, and speaking. And so it needs to accommodate all those things. If you're planning week to week, chances are that's going to be really hard to hit all of those and that it's going to become disorganized and it's going to be hard for your kids to make connections between what they're learning one week and and the next. So make sure that, that whatever classes you're looking at, that, you know, it's with an experienced teacher and that they have some kind of system. It might be developed by themselves. That's fine. But it should be a plan, like a syllabus that they're following. Um, so I, I think those are great. Um, I'm not against them. That's good to know. That's really, that's very helpful. Um, And I, that's an interesting, you know, where you say that older kids can be a little self-conscious if they're doing, you know, in person. So maybe for an older child who's just starting out, maybe an online program would be a better option. So yeah, you're giving us lots to think about. This is really good. This is really good. So do you have tips for parents who don't know a second language themselves? or that they know a different one from the one that their children are super interested in learning? 
Sure. I think that, I think the key is to surround yourself with resources and to put in the legwork at the beginning to find things that will work for your children, not just academic tools like books and curricula, but also people that they can interact with. Uh, one way that you can do this and that, um, I'll be writing about on my website is you can actually have online conversation partners. Uh, there's a website called italki. People sign up. Some are professional language educators. Some, they consider themselves community tutors and they'll do a language exchange. Of course you want to, you know, be safe about that. You want to know who's talking to your kids. So this, I would not sign them up for the website and say run free, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, but I, I think with some supervision, this is something that you can do. This is something I'm actually doing with my older son, who's five for Portuguese, because we, we would like to teach him Portuguese, which I also speak, but I have struggled to be consistent in that trying to already manage a bilingual homeschool. So we are kind of outsourcing that partially to an italki tutor who is going to spend, you know, an half an hour a week with myself and my, my child, you know, speaking to us in Portuguese, leading a conversation, and then we'll kind of go from there, but it's really inexpensive. Um, our teacher charges $4 and 50 cents for a half hour of instruction. So oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. very affordable for homeschoolers. And, um, you know, if you do your research and interview the teachers that you're using, um, I think that, that that is a very safe option and that's really good to, you know, have another human being who can monitor your kid's progress. If you want to learn a language alongside your kids, I, I love that. I love when families learn languages together because, you know, you have like instant conversation partners, instant practice partners. So that's a really good model to use, but that's not the case for every family. You might have an older kid who is really interested in Russian and you just do not have the time and margin to invest in learning Russian. That's okay because there are so many resources online these days and there are good curricula out there for many different languages that it can, um, it can be a real, Stud, uh, really interesting study for your child, even if you yourself aren't, aren't the head teacher. Do you have a list on your site at all? I'm trying to think of kind of your preferred and favorite resources. Like, I mean, I think everybody kind of hears like Rosetta Stone is like the, you know, absolute best online program that you could use. And um, do you have somewhere where you have your recommendations? I have roundups of French, Spanish, and Latin curricula, but they are not ranked because I haven't interacted in depth with all of those curricula. I mean, I think for Spanish, I have something like 40 different curricula listed. I have done extensive reviews of a number of those, and each review takes me about 15 hours, so they really are very extensive, Um, and I'm working on reviewing the others uh, as much as, you know, as much as I have the opportunity to do so but I haven't ranked them. I do have, I do have extensive reviews also of Duolingo and Mango languages, which are two very popular, often free options. Mango is something you can get for free from your library. So if you're considering either of those, I would look into them. I would also say with the caveat that language educators across the board, and myself included, generally consider those things to be supplemental learning tools and not curricula. So your kids can get great practice with Duolingo. They can get excellent practice with Mango languages, especially if they're older. Um, These aren't things that will work for a four-year-old, but these are things that can work for an older child. Um, But I would also say that neither of those resources offers significant speaking practice. So if you're going to use them, you might want to look outside either to a community center or a church or a library or a co-op class, something that will offer your or online tutoring to offer actual conversation practice to your student to complement what they're doing in those in those apps. Oh, I, I love that because we've played around with Duolingo and I had, I think, two years in high school two or three years in college of Spanish. So, I mean, quite a bit of Spanish. And so even I got to a point with Duolingo where I was like, okay, I need something else. So that's, that's comforting to hear that even if you have experience with the language, that is not going to be your main tool for 
for learning. Yeah, that's good to know. Right. And um, one of the issues people have with Duolingo, which is actually kind of solved by Mango Languages, is one complaint against Duolingo is that it's not, it doesn't include any explicit grammar instruction. And this is a criticism that's also of Rosetta Stone. I think that you likely probably got frustrated because you reached a level at which grammar instruction was necessary. And, you know, that doesn't have to be the focus of all of our language learning. Like that's not, you know, my model of language teaching is not to just do straight grammar. But at the same time, once you get to those more advanced levels, it's very hard to infer information from what you're seeing on the screen. So you can hit a block and kids can get frustrated with that. And I wouldn't say that, you know, that, that that doesn't mean they can't learn the language. I think that means it's time, like you noticed, Kara, to like move on to another tool. Oh, okay. That's that's really, really good. Okay. Have you seen the podcasts that are like, oh, what is it called? Like Coffee Cup? Oh, Coffee that's Break. That's not the... Yeah. Co- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are good. They are. Okay. Yeah. Good, yes. good, good. Um, yeah. So I have seen the podcast. Yes. Coffee. In fact, when... So after I failed as a French learner... For my PhD, I had to show proficiency in two other languages besides Spanish. So I went back to learning French and used Coffee Break French to help my listening skills and comprehension skills and even speaking skills. I love those. I love, um, there are a number of podcasts for language learners and they can be an amazing tool, especially, you know, they're usually in short bites. Uh, They're not, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes long. But another one that I recommend is news in slow Spanish, which is also available as news in slow French and news in slow Italian. Those are great podcasts because they, just just as their title would imply, they present the news in a very slow format so that language learners can listen easily. And then I think if they have an app that if you pay some nominal amount, like $3 a month, you can actually download comprehension questions, vocabulary lists, and other resources related to each episode. It's a great supplemental tool for kids who want to know that they can actually use the language without, you know, if you turn on Telemundo and you've only taken a year of Spanish, you are likely not going to understand what's going on. But if you listen to news in slow Spanish, it is way more... um, accessible. That's awesome. And I think another thing with teens is sometimes you might get a little bit of that or with older kids, I shouldn't just say teens, but older kids, you might get a little, well, when am I ever going to actually use this? So that's helpful to give them some real life, um, to see, you know, real life ways to interact with the language. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. So as parents, what should we be working toward? Should we be looking for an understanding of language fluency? So in the language education community, we generally recognize five official levels of language proficiency. Those go novice, intermediate, advanced, superior, and distinguished. And that covers everyone from true beginners to the most sophisticated communicators, think like lawyers, philosophers, and people who use language for a living, who are who understand its nuances and, and can say all those things. I like to kind of translate those levels, because that doesn't really mean so much, into four goals that homeschooling families can pursue. And so the four basic goals that I think homeschooling families can have, and by the way, I don't necessarily think one of these is the only goal. Like one of these is not necessarily better than the others, right? Every family has different different margins of time. Every family has different focuses in their homeschool, et cetera. Anyway, their four basic goals are exposure, conversational level, proficiency, and fluency. So if you want to expose your kids to another language, and that's the goal, you want to make sure that your child has a basic familiarity with the language and it sounds that they can recognize key words in a conversation. They might struggle to follow it, but they can pick out some words they know. They can say basic phrases like greetings, and they can write the language's alphabet and like copy things that aren't grammatically sophisticated, things like lists um, or labels. The next level that you could shoot for is to have your child reach a conversational level of proficiency. So that's when they can have basic conversations about everyday things like sports or the weather. And they can also read and produce, read and write 
um, simple communications like messages, you know, little notes. Then after conversational level, you, you can try to have your child reach a proficient level of communication. So those are kids who can use different tenses. They can talk about things that happened in the past, the present, and the future. They can, so they can tell stories. And they have a pretty extensive vocabulary, so they can talk about the things that are not just everyday subjects like small talk, but they can start to think about more abstract um, things and converse about that. And then there's fluency. So you, if your child is very passionate, if you are very passionate as a parent about language learning, then by all means, shoot to raise a fluent child. <laughs> um, you know, kids who are fluent are capable communicators in both everyday situations and academic situations. They'll be able to speak at a higher register about things like politics or philosophy or literature. Um, so they'll, you'll need to invest, you know, significantly more time in getting them to that level and they'll need to, to want it. They'll need to have buy-in to want to get to that level, but that could be kind of the, that's like the pinnacle. But again, I'll say, you know, I, I don't think that fluency needs to be the goal for every family. There's benefits to language learning regardless of what level you're at. Um, and I think parents can be discouraged when their kids aren't fluent within, you know, two years but, um, you know, I will say I have a PhD in Spanish. I've been speaking Spanish for 15 years and, um, I still occasionally come across new words, you know, like even in my kids and, you know, especially when I'm, I'm reading something, I'm like, oh, this must've been written in Spain. Cause I don't know that word. <laughs> you know, my, my Spanish is more Latin America, Latin American. So, um, I'm like, huh. And my son will be like, what's that word mean? I'm like, oh man, well, mommy's going to go. That's what a dictionary is. Kids. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and fluency doesn't mean not making mistakes the language. Um, even, you know, the official recognition of fluent speakers allows for mistakes in the language. And you just think, you know, we're fluent. I'm a native English speaker. I still make mistakes in English when I'm speaking sometimes. I do all the time. <laughs> right. Sure. So, you know, that's uh, perfection is not the standard. I just want to say that so parents can release themselves of that expectation. Oh, that's, that's so good. Oh, wow. You are just like, you're just such a good source of information about this. I wanted to touch on gaming. If there are any resources you would recommend for playing with languages at home. Yes, absolutely. So, um, well, so Duolingo, which I mentioned before, is such an interesting app to me because the psychology of it is the psychology of gaming. It makes language learning into a game. It rewards you for reaching a new level of proficiency. You can compete against other players for the amount of practice time logged, which I like because it's the focus is on practicing, not on, you know, necessarily like getting to a new level. And you can earn badges and earn, you know, special places. So Duolingo is a, is one kind of online app that you can use. There's also board games that are available in different languages that you can use in your home. There are, um, I actually have a post on this on my site, but you can get Scrabble and Bananagrams and Bingo in Spanish. Um, you can also get uh, Bingo in French. So it's and it's like a vocabulary Bingo. So it's not mm -hmm. just you know it's not numbers Bingo. Um, and then there's a company called Clue Languages K L O O that um, that has developed language learning board games in both French and Spanish. So those are board games that are intended for kids about seven and up, and they are designed to get you using the language and new vocabulary as you go along playing the game. So I think that they, those are a great option for families who are into game schooling. Those are definitely things that you can investigate. That's wonderful. Yeah, and we'll make sure to link to that post over at the show notes at thehomeschoolsisters.com. And I know a lot of people are going to want to connect with you and read more of all the wonderful resources that you have available. Um, so can you just let everyone know where they can find you? Absolutely. You can find me at languagelearningathome.com. And you can also find me, I have a Facebook group called the Language Learning at Home Community. We have over a thousand families there who are sharing resources and encouragement. And I really encourage you to join because we need each other, right, in this. And that I love when families will post things like, 
I'm looking for a book in German for my seven-year-old who loves, you know, the medieval era. What can you recommend? And somebody will come up with something. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really cool. And it's a super supportive, positive community. Um, so, you know, I'm, I, I have told the group, but you know, I'm the admin. I see everything that goes through. I have never had to delete a comment or post. Um, and I love that because that means that this is working. Like this is a, a place where we're really helping each other. Um, so that's I, unusual I, too for I, Facebook groups. Yes, trust <laughs> me. Having, having right a now. couple of myself. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, delete, delete, delete. Yes, I I am very aware and grateful. Um, but I think you know everyone gets has a sense of how much we need each other because it is not necessarily easy to find these resources. So we need other families who might be a step ahead of us to help give us recommendations. Um, so I do, so find me on Facebook. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at language learning at home.com or no, excuse me. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at language learning at home. And I post somewhat sporadically, but hopefully you'll enjoy seeing pictures of my boys traipsing around DC and, uh, getting into trouble in many of the Smithsonian museums, which is <laughs> my feet. I can't wait to go down there and do that with mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> my toddler has so far fallen into a fountain at the National Gallery of Art and climbed into an exhibit <laughs> and another one. So we're, uh, we've gotten yelled at a few times at them for, for rowdy behavior. <laughs> well, trying to get better. Yeah. Um, okay. So before we go, we always like to ask if there's something that's bringing you joy right now. Okay, this is very mundane, but also very joyful, and it's Aldi Instacart. Oh, yes. <laughs> <heard> about this. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I think I actually heard about it from Colleen Kessler. She was the yes, first, that's... first person yeah. to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And I had reached, so this is my, you know, my, this is my third baby, but this is the first pregnancy I've had where I had nausea, like serious nausea. So I got to the point where I was like in the grocery store with the five-year-old and the two-year-old. And, you know, the whole time I'm chanting to myself in my head, like, don't throw up, don't throw up on the floor on Aldi, yeah. don't throw up. Yeah. Um, and I was just so grossed out. So I said to myself, okay, I'm going to give myself a first trimester present of Instacart because I literally cannot handle being in the grocery store. My, my, my toddler also, besides falling into fountains, also really likes to eat through plastic packaging, like while we're grocery <laughs> shopping and like take food out. So, you know, I'll turn my back to get something and he'll have eaten through the package of frozen corn and he's like taking out the corn. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it has just become like such a mess to go grocery shopping. <laughs> Um, so I am very grateful for all the Instacart. My, it, my, uh, groceries come when my kids are napping. I get them put away while they're napping. So they can't be fridge surfing and like trying to take them out as I'm putting them away. And I am so grateful to it. So I, uh, after my first trimester was over, I was like, you know what? I'm going to sign up for a whole year. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, grocery shopping is with the baby. Yeah. yeah. And, and my husband works long hours. So like there is no time other then my kids have to be with me. And, um, you know, for now, just like you were saying, Kara, I was like, it'll come back around to like yep. when I can go to the grocery store, but not right now. Yeah. Now we there go to the are. grocery store and my kids are better at it than I am. They're like, mom, that's over in that aisle. I'll go get it. You just stay here. <laughs> oh, <that's-> <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of stand by the cart with my list. Like, all right. Then they, they figure it out. <laughs> I'm in between the two. We do curbside pickup now. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah. I would have yeah. loved that. If that I'm, that's I'm getting, I'm getting up there. So yeah. <laughs> but that's good. That's good. <laughs> what about you, Kate? What's bringing you joy right now? This is kind of not a big thing either, but it snowed here. And I know that people listening are groaning because they've had lots of snow and lots of cold this year, but in New Hampshire, we have not had a ton of actual snowfall. So it's really, really pretty this morning. And the sun is shining. We had had a big stretch of gray. So it's just one of those really pretty to look out, sunshiny, white days. And it's not too cold so your kids can go and like run around and play. Mm-hmm. Make snowmen, all that. Good I'm stuff. also happy they didn't interrupt this podcast because I feel like whenever <laughs> <laughs> their class was canceled today, this is when we usually podcast. I have it worked out and they usually interrupt me whenever there's somebody new on. It's like, not just when it's me and Kara, it's when someone <laughs> new was on and I'm meeting them for the first time and they're coming in here with ridiculous <laughs> questions and 
can I make candles in the microwave? No, gosh. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. So that didn't happen. We made it all the way through. So if I jinx it now, <laughs> there's minimal editing. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> what about you, Kara? Um, okay, so we moved in October. And, you know, like you're just figuring things out, getting settled in and everything. And we have a, a great bathroom upstairs, but it just has a shower stall. And so it, it just feels kind of it was feeling kind of clunky, like, I'm not going to take a bath in the bathtub downstairs. It's all the way downstairs. And then one day I was like, I really, I, I, I want to take a bath with my book and have the door closed and have quiet, you know? Yep. <laughs> it's only about 10% about the bath and more about the quiet and the door closed in the book. <laughs> um, and there's a window in there, like with the glass cube window. And uh, I don't know what it is in this bathtub. Our house was built in the 1920s, so it's like super deep. <gasps> So I'm kind of in love with my bathtub right now, unexpectedly. I love that. It's bringing me a lot of joy. It's got like nice lighting in there. You can read your book. It's nice and deep. I'm a tall person. (laughs) I'm a happy girl. Yeah. It's the little things. (laughs) Sometimes it's the little things. It's my bathtub. Bringing me joy. Grocery (laughs) checkout and And good bathtubs and snow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're a teenager, when you're a teenager, you have like big dreams for your adult life. And then when you're an adult, you're like, my nice socks. And- yeah. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, this was so much fun. I just think so many parents are really going to enjoy this and benefit from everything that you've talked about. And just as a reminder, we're going to have every, all the links and, you know, all the information from Anne over um, at the show notes at thehomeschoolsisters.com. And thank you so much for joining us today, Anne. Thank you both. Thank you so much. All right. And have a good week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We'd love to answer your question next, so head to our site, thehomeschoolsisters.com, and click on Ask Us a Question. We share posts over there, too, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We'd also love it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes so we can connect with more sisters out there. And until next time, remember, you've got this, sister.